I know some people attend two services, both services here. I, if you don't attend both, you know, it's, it's different all the time, isn't it? And so, we're, again, we're not scripted here. The Lord just told me this morning during this time of worship, he told me to read this scripture. And it says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And I just heard the Lord say this morning as we were worshiping that there are some of you in here that are dreamers and your fire has burned out. And this morning he is going to relight that. And there is going to be a fire burning in you, the dreamers in this place this morning. So um, just give God all of your heart and your intention this morning. We're going to be three men standing up here saying a few words. I would prefer you listen to what God says instead of just man. And so with that, Caleb, lead us this morning. Okay, good morning, everyone. Everybody good? Good. Uh, My name's Caleb. Uh, This is my wife over here, Gladys. Can you stand up just real quickly? And I actually have my parents here with me as well, so can you stand up, please? (laughs) Mike and Cheryl so I just want to honor them because I want to honor them because they are the biggest uh, influenced people in my life and um, a lot of what I'm going to talk to you about today um, they are a big 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 part of it so um, just to give you that's where I'm coming from I'm a I'm a very family oriented person and I get that from my parents um but let's just open it up in prayer first. Father, we honor your, your presence here. We, uh, we honor what you're doing. We honor your leadership. And as we uh, walk with you this morning, we ask for you to open up people's hearts, uh, help us hear your voice, and not just do that, but also respond to what you're speaking to us and know how to respond. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. We honor your presence. Amen. Yeah, so I just want to tell you a little bit about me and my family's background before I get started. I want to tell you a story today um, about something that has happened to to me, but I'll first kind of back you up a little bit on some history. Um, So I grew up actually in this area. Uh, Trinity is where I grew up in, and um, uh, together with Joshua and all of our buddies growing up, but um, we, uh, I just grew up in a really kind of good family, good Christian home, I would say. It's just, we, uh, my parents are both believers, and they grew all of us uh, siblings up in that home, and um, I just was, I was, uh, I really liked the way that my parents grew me up, because I'm, I was, I was sheltered in the sense of I was in a very good Christian family, but my, my parents did not control me, and um, I was, they kind of let me do what I needed to do in order to grow up, and um, then, then, you know, I was able to, you know, get into some really bad situations where I was able to learn, and the Holy Spirit taught me things throughout my childhood, and, um, and I was able to learn a little bit about hearing God's voice and what that meant, what that looked like. And uh, one thing that really motivated me is my parents. Um, That's why I wanted to honor them earlier is because I would hear my mom speak the name of Jesus under her breath 
And she probably didn't hear me. She didn't know that I heard that, but I would hear it all the time. I I knew she was a worshiper, and uh, she communicated with God throughout the day. And the same with my dad. He would do the same thing. I would see things in, in through my dad that were reflected the nature of God. And uh, so growing up, I was, I kind of, I was, uh, grew up in that. And then when I was 20, actually the day I turned 21, I flew out. I left my family. I flew out to Israel and I, I uh, lived in Israel for almost a year. And I was, uh, kind of grew up in the, the art world, the musician world, as well as the craftsman world. So I kind of Grew up in that. My mom's side are musician, and my dad's side are craftsman. And uh, I ended up becoming an instrument maker, so that's kind of my profession. But uh, I was in Israel working on an art project over there called the Fountain of Tears with uh, Rick Winicky. And um, the Lord just kind of ripped me out of my Christian home, basically. And I was put in the Middle East, and this to- basically totally by myself working out in the desert for almost a year. And the Lord was, was just like speaking all these things to me. And through that process, the Lord had, had given me a heart for the nations, a heart for the unreached people, the heart for the, the, the lost and the broken and the needy and those who don't have an opportunity to even hear the name of Jesus. So, I, so the Lord spoke to me and said, you're called to the indigenous people. And I didn't know exactly what that meant, but... From that, from Israel, the Lord started leading me into uh, live with indigenous groups and tribal groups all around the world. I've lived in far-flung islands of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, I've lived in jungles, different jungles throughout uh, Southeast Asia. And I've, um, uh, past 10 years, learned different tri- tribal languages and uh, it's just been a, been a joy for me just to be able to live with them and, and see God move in miraculous ways. Uh, the truth is that, um, let me just read this real quick passage to you. It's in Revelation chapter 7. And um, I like to prep what I'm getting ready to tell you with this verse. Uh, this is chapter 7, verse 9, and we'll go down a little bit. This is talking about the, you know, the return of Christ. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every tribe, or no, sorry, from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I just want to point out one little short thing. It says every nation, every tribe, people group, and language. And I believe we as a church, we have a commission, right? Everybody knows our commission. Go into all the world, preach the good news. But we believe, I think there's a mindset on us that thinks, all right, we're going to go, that God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ has already reached all the nations, Therefore, we've completed our work. But the the truth is, that's not true. If you continue to read, it says every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages. So let me give you a short example. In the Philippines, 
uh, Philippines is one nation, right? But within the Philippines, there are 178 different languages and tribal groups. And there are still unreached people groups in the Philippines as well as all over the world that we have not even recognized. So I think this verse is key to where we are. We've done the nations, but we still have a commission to go into other places and see nations, uh, see languages, tribes, and people for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go to them. You hear me? Everybody good there? So this is where I'm coming from today. And I'm just going to tell you a short story um, about something that's happened to, to me and my family and a uh, tribal group. And um, this started in about five years ago. I was, um, woke up from a, basically woke up from a dream one morning. And uh, I go through seasons where I would dream a lot. And then some, some seasons where it's like totally dry. I just do not get any dreams. And this season, particularly five years ago, I was not dreaming much at all. It's kind of in a dry season. And um, I woke up one morning from an extremely vivid dream. And um, I take, I carry my journal with me everywhere I go. Um, every day, I either keep it beside my bed or in my like right when I wake up, I go straight to like this, my quiet room and I just spend time with the Lord. I process things. And so anyway, I woke up from this dream and I journaled everything that I had in the dream. So let me tell you a little bit about the dream. I was standing on top of this mountain and I saw kind of a multitude of people, just a bunch of people. And um, it was a tribal group. And as I told you earlier, I do... I've been to many different tribes, so I'm just like all interested in tribal groups. And so in my dream, I saw these, this tribe of people, and I was like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? Where do you, where do you live? And they said, we're the Thinananun people. And um, I'm not sure about you guys, but I've never heard that word, Thinananun. Um, and I've never heard that before the dream. So uh, I heard that word, Thinananun. And then after that, I, um, I saw the chief, there was a chief to this tribe, and he was carrying a musical instrument. And he carried this musical instrument up in front of the people, put it on a table, and he, he, uh, he uh, had these two sticks that, that he, he was going to play the, the instrument. But then right then in the dream, I, I kind of had a pause, and I zoomed in to the instrument, and I got kind of a full download of everything about this instrument. And um, I saw all the dimensions. I know what material it was made out of. I know how it was made. I know how it was tuned and uh, how it was played. And so after that, zoomed back out, and the, the chief grabbed these sticks, and he began to play. And ha- as he played this kind of heavenly music, began to just fill the, the atmosphere, and everyone began to worship. And I was like, man, what is this? I was like, this is the sound of heaven, but it's also a sound of a tribe. What is this? And anyway, I, I woke up after that. And I, like I said, I pulled my journal out and just recorded everything I remembered from the dream. Um, I wrote that word, Thinananun. Um, 
I didn't even know how to spell it at that time. I was just like, T-I-N, I don't know. I just tried to spell it out. And um, then I uh, also drew pictures of this musical instrument. And I, I you know, did little side marks, you know, saying this, this is the dimension or this is the material, this is how it was made and put together, all that kind of stuff. And then I just left it at that, and I was like, okay, um, I'm just going to pursue this thing with the Lord and see if this is from the Lord. Um, and the way I process that usually is what I do is um, if I, because a lot of times I will either get a dream from from the Lord, or I get like an interpretation, or I get something, I know that I'm supposed to deliver a word to someone, or a people group, or whatever, I just kind of process it with the Holy Spirit first, and the way I do that is, I say, okay, I'm going to go as far as I possibly can with this word, and if it's from God, He's going to meet me, He's going to meet me halfway, He's going to, he's going to show me signs and wonders along the way, to show me that it's, it's a word from God. And um, if it's not, what I end up doing is say, okay, I turn around, go back to my closet, spend some more time with the Lord processing these things. Um, but anyway, I was like, okay, I'm going to go for this and see what happens. So I contacted all my anthropological researchers all around the world, and I asked them about, you know, you know, these anthropologists know all, they do research on all the tribes and languages, you know. They know everything about the tribes and languages of the world, you know. And so surely they would know, right? So I contacted them and I said, do you guys happen to know Tinananan, uh, if there's a tribe in this world called Tinananan? And um, they said, let me look in my book, you know. So they got these big, thick book and they you know, they, they have all the tribes and languages and the people groups and everything in their research from the past, you know, 500 years and all this stuff. And they told me that there's not, um, there's not such thing as a tribe called Tinananan. So I was kind of like, okay, all right. Well, maybe my dream was a little off because sometimes I have these pizza dreams, you know. It's like, I actually have more of those than, than any other dreams, but... Um, I thought maybe it was a pizza dream. And then I was like, okay, well, another thing I'll do, I'll just, I'll just get in my shop because, you know, I'm an instrument maker. I'll get into the shop and I'll just make it. I'll just put it together, right? Well, I got into my shop and I tried to make it and I just kept failing. Like I just kept messing up and breaking things and snapping things. And um, I tried to get all of my materials together and I... Uh, I would go up into the mountains and find these, you know, specific types of wood. Not just the specific type of wood, but the part of the tree where that wood comes from. And um, the way to process it and all this stuff. And I was like so eager to do it, but I could not figure it out. I was like, man, I'm just, I just can't do this. I was getting so frustrated. Some day, one day I actually got so mad I just broke something. I was like, oh, man, I just grabbed my clamp, and I just threw it across the shop. <laughs> it, like, hit the wall, and I was like, oh, man, I'm sorry about that, Lord. <laughs> but he, you know, he was with me all along the whole journey of making this thing. And so I um, ended up just kind of giving up on the instrument and gave up on, on the, the word, and uh, 
I was doing a lot in that season. Uh, Gladys, my wife, was pregnant with our first son, and uh, so we were busy preparing for that. And um, then we were doing missions work all, all through the Philippines at that time. So I was actually in the Philippines, and I was on this, uh, I was on this public transportation called a jeepney. And uh, this, I was on this jeepney, and uh, some you know people that I didn't know were in there in the in the in the bus. It was like a it's like the bus of the Philippines, which is pretty pretty different. But uh, we were going up into the mountains, and I'm traveling out into this one tribal group that we have missions work going on there. And there's this guy across the seat from me, and I'm noticing that he's staring at me. And he kept looking at me. I'm like, man, what's this guy doing looking at me? And uh, I would look at him, and as soon as I look at him, he'd look away. Uh, and I'm like, man, what's this guy doing? So finally, I started talking to him. And uh, it turns out that he's a believer. And so we're talking about Jesus and talking about all this cool stuff. And uh, he, uh, I don't know, we're just talking, small talk. And then all of a sudden, I hear the Lord speak to me and, and say, I want you to ask that guy about the thin and onion. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, no, I'm not doing that. And the, but I, I heard, again, the Lord speak to me. And when I, when I hey, say... can I stop you there? Yeah, sure. And, and I, wanna, I want you to tell them, like, so you say you heard the Lord speak to you to tell this gentleman on the bus, the Lord said to you, Caleb, ask him about the Thinananu people yeah. of the tribe. What did that sound like? Was it an audible voice from the Lord, or what, did, what was that like? Well, for that time and moment, um, it, was, it was not an audible voice of God saying, you know, Caleb, ask this guy about the Thinananu. No, it was like, it was like the best way I could explain it was like a, an impression in my heart. Like, I need to ask this guy. And, um, but then it was, it was hard for me because of my, myself. Um, so you, you call it an impression in the first service. You said it was like a, just a light bulb went off and it was just at this clicking moment that you knew that this was God. Anybody yeah. out here ever have that experience where would you raise your Yeah. So there's some of us. Yeah. How many of you are like him and you just said, no, God? That makes me feel better. I mean, the highlight of my first service was the fact that I heard he threw a clamp in anger. I'm like, sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm um, <laughs> sorry. I like to mention that, in, you know, when I'm telling this story, because it's like, we're all humans. And I know, like, what you're about to hear is like, whoa. But, like, tell the truth, it's just just walking step in step with, with him. Um, anyway, um, I, I was, you know, so I was talking with this guy. The Lord's, Lord said, ask him about the thin and onion. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And so I said, um, sir, uh, do you happen to know thin and onion? And when I said that word thin and onion, yeah, you know, his eyes got really big, and he he just leaned into me. Like he was like, and he said, "Hey, how do you know my people?" He said, "How do you know my tribe?" And I was like 
speechless, really. I was like, I don't, what do I say in this moment? So I was like, tell me as much as you know about your people group. And so he starts telling me about this people called the Tenananen. And he, is, he was actually born outside the tribe, but he knew that he was a Tenananen person. And so the, the tribe that is actually located in a very mountainous area in the Philippines, and it's, it's actually cut off from, from the modern world. And uh, the reason I say that is because there are war camps that surround this tribal group. And so it makes it very difficult for them to go outside and for also for, you know, foreigners or for other people from the outside to come in. And so this man that I was talking to is actually, he was born in the city, he was raised up, and he came to know Jesus. And then God spoke to him and told him to go to his people, the Thin and Anun, to bring the gospel. And so this was years, many years back, and so he went to the Thin and Anun, and he was like trying to tell his family and his you know neighbors about about Jesus and everything, but they were just giving him the hand, and he was he was not getting anywhere with it, and he kept struggling, struggling. So, um, I met him and I said, "Hey, <clears throat> I don't know where you're where you're going today or what you're doing, but I just I have something to show you." And so, like I. I I took him to my um, the house that I was staying at, and I pulled out my journal from like you know six months before or whatever, and um, I pulled to that entry you know and showed him that that entry from the dream that I had, and when he was reading it, there were just tears coming down his face, and he was like, "Oh my goodness," he said, "You know earlier I kept." You know, I kept looking at you before we started talking. And I said, yeah, what was that all about? He was like, yeah, the reason why I was looking at you is because I've seen you before. And I was trying to recognize, you know, where did I see you at? But then I just realized that I've seen you in a dream. He said, three years ago, three years ago, God gave me a dream. And in that dream, you came to my tribe and you helped bring the gospel to my people group, the Thin and Anun. And at that point, we were like, oh, my goodness. All right, let's just drop everything we're, we're doing here. Let's just get to, on our knees and just worship and just put all this stuff before him. So we ended up spending like three or four days together praying and worshiping and uh, just putting everything, talking about it. Um, he tells me more about the tribe. It turns out this tribe is a tribe of uh, between 70 and 100,000 people. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of people. To be located in a mountain range that um, are cut off from the world and not even recognized as a tribal group, that's a lot. And so, so anyway, we're, we're talking about this. And he invites me to his tribe. He said, I want you to come with me. Can you come tomorrow? And I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. First, I need to talk to my wife. <laughs> and then also, I need to really, I need to get back into my shop. Because I just felt in my spirit that I needed to do something. I needed to make that instrument. I don't know what it was, but something was telling me that I needed to make it. 
So I went back home. I uh, talked to Gladys about it, obviously. (laughs) We prayed about it. And I got back into the shop, and I just asked the Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation to help me get through and figure this instrument out. I started getting all the materials back together, and the Holy Spirit gave me, gave me insight on it. And um, after about three months, with Gladys' help, we ended up getting it. And I, I just remember putting the strings on. This, this instrument was, just to give you a little bit of description about it, and actually, we, I have uh, a replica of it, one that I've recently made, and I'm, I'm going to show it to you here. I was the most nervous I've ever been pulling something <laughs> off. Like yeah, let me let me tilt it a little bit so you can see put it. Put my fire out. Is that a little little better to see? Yeah. So it, it, in this one's a little little bit different. This one actually has geared tuners on it, like you would have on a guitar. <laughs> That's for me because this is the most recent one I made. That I travel a lot and um, and I play it. And so I need uh, geared tuners so they can stay in tune a lot more. But, um, but the original one had, you know, wooden pegs, all indigenous materials. And, um, but this is the basic setup of what it looked like. And I, um, you know, so I was like, let me just get back into the shop. I did it. I figured it out. I ended up putting those strings on for the first time and, and tuning it up. And as soon as I, I tuned it up, I struck the strings, it was that same sound that I heard in the dream. And I was like, oh. I was like, okay, I've, I've, I felt like I've, I've done as much as I could do. And um, I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go out there, whatever that means. And so I, I ended up buying a plane ticket um, and this was, I mean, just, just let you know, this is not easy just to buy a plane ticket to, this, to travel out there into this remote tribe. Um, this was one month before our first son was born. I mean, my wife was pregnant, like really pregnant. <laughs> and she was like, hey, if it's, if it's God, um, which we've already seen the signs and wonders, it, this is God, you need to go. So it's not just me taking a step. It's, it's my wife. It's my, I, I give so much honor to her. She's the best. For me, she's the best woman in the world. Um, I could cry sometimes talking about her. But anyway, um, I um, whew, love. Uh, I need to sit closer to him so some of that <laughs> niceness can come over here and get on me. <laughs> Impartation. There. <laughs> we'll see if that works. <laughs> I think you're supposed I to rub feel his head. better already. <laughs> oh man! So uh, yeah, I bought a ticket. Uh, that, that actually, the next morning we flew. I flew out there by myself to this island, and I took the instrument with me, not knowing what it was going to happen. I asked one of my best friends who was actually uh, from a neighboring, he's actually from a neighboring tribe, um, and he's a good friend of mine, so he actually probably, I was thinking he probably understands the language of, of the Tinananan, 
so he could help translate for me. So I, I asked him to go with me. We traveled out there. We finally got to the border of this, uh, of this tribal group. And um, as we got there, we met this man, you know, the man that I was telling you about from, from the bus or from the public transportation. We met there, and he met me, and we, we all jumped on this little tiny motorbike. And, I mean, this thing was just hilarious. It was like a, a little, basically a, like a 100cc little, I mean, we would buy that for like our, our teenagers here to ride around the backyard. But we're like, we, all three of us jump on this little motorbike. And I've got this musical instrument that size above my head. I'm like, all right, let's go. And so we're like going up into the mountains, and it's not like our little North Carolina mountains here, which some people call hills. I mean, this is like the real mountains, like the Southeast Asian mountains, like super up there kind of stuff. And so we're like going up there, a little tiny trail, and uh, it's really muddy uh, because it just rained the day before. And then I look up into the sky, and this uh, this big like rain clouds coming in. I was like, oh no, I know what that is. I know what that's like. So like five minutes later, whoosh, you know, just downpour. And so we actually have water coming down the side of the mountains. And it's like, you know, it's, you know, between our ankles and knee, that height, that high. So we're actually having to go up into the into the trail, the little tiny trail with this water gushing down the side of the mountains. And then we get to this cliff, it's like a drop-off cliff, and there are these two little ropes going across from this, you know, from this cliff to that side of the cliff, and there are these like wooden planks coming parallel to the, to the rope. So that's our bridge to get across. And we're like, do we go across this thing or what? You know, and so like we just, we made that, the decisions, we're, we're just going to go, we're just going to go for it. You know, and then the driver was like, the best way to do this is to go across on the motorbike, all of us together. And I was like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be better, like, to, you know, walk across or something like that? And he's like, no, nah, we, we need to ride across. <laughs> I'm like, all right, you're the, you know, you're the driver out here, so I'm going to respect that. But all right, let's go for it. So we start going, and, and this, this, you know, this uh, bridge is like swinging to the left and right. We're, we're trying to balance, you know, and everything, and I'm holding this instrument across my head, and we, oh, thank the Lord we got across. But as soon as we got across, the, uh, the driver, the, the motorbike popped in neutral, and he lost control, and we ended up hitting this stone and, f- like, flying in the air. And um, praise the Lord. I mean, there were stones around us. There was that drop-off cliff, and we just dropped into this, like, fluffy green grass. I, I, I cannot explain it, but we just, all this danger around us, and we landed in this, this fluffy grass. So we were like, all right, all right, okay, let's get back on. Let's go for it. <laughs> so we got back on the motorbike, and we, we went in, and we, uh, we ended up, as we were going into the tribe, I heard that impression that we were talking about earlier. I heard the Lord speak to me again. And it was, uh, the Lord said, I want you to take the instrument to the chief. And I was like, okay, well, 
where's the chief's house? And so we started asking, and it turns out the chief's house was on the other side of the mountain, like three and a half hours away. And we had already traveled 10 and a half hours. So we're just like, okay, 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 here we go again. So we back back on the motorbike, and we finally got to his house. And we just like, you know, we, we get out. There's mud all over our bodies, even on this instrument, mud everywhere. We come up to this house. We just knock on the wooden door, and there he was, the chief. He opened the door, and um, he just uh, just looked at us, and then he looked down and saw this instrument. And I said, uh, you know, we are from uh, outside, and we are, you know, we are traveling to your your place for the first time, and we hear that we heard that you were the chief of the tribe. And before we go to different parts of the tribe, we actually want to give this as a gift to you. And so I just handed the instrument to him. And uh, he took it and he was like, almost like he was scared of it. And he put it, we went, came into his house, we put it down on the table and he stepped back and he, he was not even really talking to us. He was just like focused on this instrument. And he said, uh, where did you get this instrument from? And I said, you know, I just kind of made it, you know, put it together. And he was like, no, 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 no. Where did you get this instrument from? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I just had some ideas. I just put them together and made it. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm serious. Where did you get this instrument from? And I said, okay, well, if you really want to know, uh, I was trying to beat around the bush, really, but I was like, if you really want to know, here, I, here it is. I said, well, last year I, um, I had a dream, and in the dream I saw your people, the Tinananun, for the first time, and I heard the name of your tribe for the first time ever. I said, I also saw this musical instrument in the dream, and I am an instrument maker, and so... I ended up making the instrument. And I said, so I, I believe that my God had, had given this, in, this dream to me. And I said, so, so I ended up making the instrument, and I, I met this guy who was actually from, this man was sitting beside me. So I said, I met this man who was actually from the Tinananan people, and he, he led me out here to meet you. And so here I am to, to give this as a gift to you. I just kind of left it there. Uh, and he was like shaking his head, plucking the strings. And then at that same time, there were these other chiefs that came into the room. And they're like, they're also elders or chiefs of the tribe. And this tribe is so big, you know, 100,000 people. So, so they actually have to have chiefs all over the place. But then there's the chief of those chiefs. And the guy... The guy that I was at his house today, he was the chief of the chiefs. And so I ended up, ended up uh, you know, there were, there were those, those other chiefs from the different locations that came in. And as soon as they walked in the house, uh, they saw the instrument. And they came up to it and they said, oh, Salimba, Salimba. And that's all I heard was Salimba, Salimba. And I was like, what's Salimba. And they were plucking the strings and talking about it in their language. 
And I didn't understand it, and I was kind of confused, but I kept hearing this word salimba. And so uh, they looked at me, and they said, we have to show you something. And so they, they took me out of their house and took me down this path, and there was this little, kind of little house kind of thing. And we ended up walking into it. I thought it was a house, but turns out that this place was actually the most holy of holies of their tribe. It's the place that they worship the, the different gods of their, of their tribe. And in, in their tribal belief system, they have the God of all gods, and they believe in one true God. But they also believe that God has sent down these kind of smaller gods to steward different parts of the earth. So like there's the God of the tree, the God of the of the river and the God of the stone. And so he takes me into this room, and this place is where they worship the gods, or they worship God and then his, his angels. And uh, so he, they have all these different musical instruments in there. And they began to explain to me, this, this instrument is the instrument that worships the God of the, the tree. And then there's this kind of drum thing that, that worships the God of the stone. And so they're telling me all about, you know, their, their different artifacts of their tribe and, and musical instruments. And then there's this one actual blank area. It's like this spot in the, in the wall that's just not, nothing there. And then they pointed there and they said, a hundred or 150 years ago, there was a tribal war. And there was another tribe that came and, and battled with the Tinananun people. And when they battled, the, uh, the tribal, uh, the, the, uh, the instrument maker, you know, there's an instrument maker that, that makes all these instruments for worship, and he was killed. He was killed during that battle, and he never had the opportunity to pass down the art of making these instruments for worship. And then he, said, he also said there was our, our instrument, our most valuable instrument that we worship the God of all gods. And he said that instrument was taken away from them during that battle. And he said that time when it was taken away from us, we have, we have believed that, that since the enemy has taken that, that, uh, that instrument away one day, God is going to restore it back to us. And he said, that instrument is the salimba. And today, you have brought that instrument back to us. And I was like speechless. And, and they said, they began to tell me more about their, their history and what's happened, you know, since that tribal war. There's actually been a, like a, a really sad song or like a lament that has come out of that time of war. And it goes like this. The enemy has taken the Salemba away from us. Therefore, God is going to redeem it. And the Salemba, the time when it is going to be redeemed back to us, it's going to come down from heaven like, a, like an aircraft. And, and they said, when it comes down from heaven, God is going to be riding inside the Salimba. I know this is kind of out there, but th- this is their belief. 
and and so the that God is going to come down in the Salem. It's going to rest on top of the mountain, and then God is going to call all the righteous people to Him. So all the righteous people are going to go to Him, and then they're going to go back into heaven. That's that's their story. That's that's their story that's been passed down from generation to generation. And so they said today. You have brought the Salemba back to us. And so they ended up having this dedication where they brought all the tribal leaders and all the um, chiefs together, and they dedicated this instrument back to the God of all gods. And there's been a continuous worship to God of all gods since then. And they also ended up giving me a headpiece of a chief. And uh, they and I didn't know what that meant at that moment, but when they gave the headpiece to me, they uh, gave it to me and they said, Caleb, uh, you are now one of our chiefs. And they said, whatever you feel like God is leading us into, that's where we're going to go as well. And so I was like totally humbled at that time. And I was like, you know, what do I do? You know, so I, I went to the Lord and I said, what do I do? And the Lord said, ask them how you can help them. And so I went back to the chief and I said, okay, um, how can me and my family and my tribe help you? But as I was asking this, I was like, oh, man, why am I asking this? Because, like, they know that I'm American. They know that, like, we're, we are one of the richest nations in the world I mean, they could have asked for anything. They could have asked for money or to help build a highway through their tribe. They could have asked anything. But you wouldn't believe what they asked for. The chief said, he thought about it for a long time. And then he said, okay, Caleb, if you can do one thing, um, I I want you to help us with this. I want want you um, to help us translate your book into our language. Yeah, and I was like, in my in the back of my mind, I was like, oh man, I know what that means. Like to be truthful, I know what that means because I work. Me and Gladys work hand in hand with Wycliffe Bible translators. Some some are Institute of Linguistics. We know what Bible translation is. We know what it looks like. It's not like a okay. Let's just translate the Bible. All right, let's go for it. This is like a, at least a 20-year project. And so since that time, I've, I've been able to stand in front of all of the, the leaders, the CEOs of Wycliffe, Wycliffe Bible Translators and Summer Institute of Linguistics and Translators Association of the Philippines. And those three organizations have decided to start a Bible translation project for the Thin and Anun people. Actually, three years ago, I took them, and these founders of these organizations actually met the chiefs face-to-face. They went all the way out there, the same journey that I took, and they met those chiefs face-to-face, and the chiefs were asking, we want this. And, the, and, and at that time, the, the, the translation organizations were saying, this is not even a tribe. There's not a tribe called Thin and Anun because we've done all the research. But when they saw him face to face, 
they were like convinced. They were like, oh my goodness, this is a people group we have missed. This is an undocumented people group in the Philippines that we've, the Philippine government has not even recognized. And so ever since that time, the people group have been recognized. And um, the Bible translation has started. They're working on the book of Luke right now. They're also actually forming their alphabet because they don't even have a written language. And this is probably going to be at least, at least a 20-year um, translation project. Um, just to get the new New Testament done, but um, we're we're in it until until we see it. And uh, there's also just amazing things that the Holy Spirit is doing across the whole tribe. There have been salvations. There's been uh, churches uh, developed, different fellowships now that are just forming. God is doing amazing things, miracles. I mean, I, I could just go on and tell you so many things, but. It's, it's been incredible. I just want to share that story with you guys.